friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. I'm so pleased that you have chosen to give me some of your time today. My name is Chris. I'm your host. And if you're, if this is maybe your first podcast episode that you're listening to, massive warm welcome. I hope you check out some of the others. If you like the content, I'd love you to chat. Uh, give me some comments. Give me some feedback. Uh, you can leave comments. You can leave reviews. And I would love, I always love hearing back from you guys. Now, today's episode, it is Black History Month. And I'm just aware that there's a lot in the news that I see discussing Black History Month. There's lots of programs on the TV, lots of things appearing on my Facebook feed, all of Black Black History Month, but I don't see a great deal that comes from the church about black history. And, uh, and yeah, I think some of the conversations around diversity maybe have started to die out after uh, George Floyd's death really elevated the conversation about um, diversity and race and racism. So I want to just pick that back up and just make sure we keep juggling that ball. I think it's really important that we keep talking about race. We keep talking about what is the kingdom of God and what's God's expectation for people. Um, So we're going to have that conversation today. This topic today is called Jesus Never Said. So I'm doing a little string of them called Jesus Never Said. Jesus Never Said the church should be white or led by the white man. Jesus never said that. So we're going to explore uh, just that topic. Now, I'm not going to cover a great deal about what Jesus says, but I'm going to be looking at the wider narratives of Scripture. So I hope you just find this really interesting. It may not be as long as some of the other episodes, but I really felt like I wanted to say something at this time uh, just into uh, Black History Month, particularly with what I'm going to say. You'll see what I'm going to talk about. I I, I just think there's a lot for us to, to kind of lean into. So here we go. Let's talk about Jesus never said the church should be white or led by the white man. So where do we start talking about this topic? Jesus never said the church should be led by white men. It's true, Jesus never said it. In fact, he never said it and never commissioned it. And the discussion is preposterous to even contemplate that that could be true. Uh, Let me just remind you, Revelation 7, 9 says, after this I looked up and behold a great multitude that nobody could number from every nation, every tribe, every people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. A great multitude. Jesus could never have said the church should be led by white men because the gospel, the wider narrative of scripture, right from Genesis throughout, all of it from from the beginning to the end and all the wider stories, the whole of scripture is black and brown history. Jesus was not a white man with blue eyes. The stained glass windows have destroyed uh, the true history, character and nature of, 
of Jesus and the Jewish faith. Jesus was a Jew. He grew up in the Middle East. He had Middle Eastern parents. He was surrounded by people of color. Uh, and Jerusalem was one of those melting pots. Yes, it was a Jewish city, but it was a city that had people coming and going from all over. So Jesus could never have argued and would never have argued that the church should be led by white men because the story of scripture is the story of black and coloured, black and brown stories, narratives. The Bible is a black and brown history. If we want to talk about Black History Month, then we should be talking about the scriptures because the scriptures were born out of a region where all the people within that narrative uh, were black and brown skinned. You're going to be hard pushed to find a white person in the scriptures. They would have all been olive skinned at least, uh, and darker from that point on. Because all the narratives and characters you find in Scripture were born, grew up, their DNA from all over. And remember, the people of God, it's centered around Jerusalem. But God's people had spent significant time in Egypt, influenced by Egyptian culture, brought that back to the Israel region where uh, Israel was created, Jerusalem, the holy city, and Galilee, and all the surrounding areas. Essentially, the people of God planted themselves in there. Uh, And therefore, the story of God is the story of black and brown people and how God redeemed humanity through the people uh, of that region, Uh, Jesus Christ, born of Mary and Joseph, both of which were either olive-skinned or they were darker. They would not have been anything lighter. So the scriptures is the story of... uh, Let me put this... uh, Okay, let's talk about Genesis for a moment. There is a good and big argument that Eden is actually found in East Africa. When you look at the scriptures and look at the rivers that are named in the scriptures, they're located around East Africa. And we've got a good strong argument that Eden was actually in East Africa. What's interesting with science, science tells us that the the birth of humanity came out of East Africa. So the scriptures start uh, with a place a location that is in east africa and even if it isn't in east africa it's certainly east of jerusalem uh in iraq and that that region so the whole story starts with color it does not start with white people now there are not many paintings i've ever seen of the garden of eden where adam and eve aren't white the, and it's not even the skin color, it's the, the body shape, and the body type. Everything about Adam and Eve is often depicted as a white European. Eden, either Iraq or East Africa, 
would have made them um, brown or black skinned. So the story of God is birthed in that environment. The redemptive story of Jesus is birthed around uh, Jerusalem where it was people of colour. So this is a people of colour story. And and, and therefore that, that, that shapes the story. It's a story of liberation. So I just want to kind of walk through just you know some little observations. Moses. Moses, who supposedly wrote the first five books of the Bible, married an Ethiopian uh, Cushite wife, uh, Zephorah. He married uh, a woman that is, we're told in Scripture, was a... Uh, Ethiopian woman from the region of Cushite. What about 1 Kings 10.1? We're told that King Solomon uh, was visited by the Queen of Sheba from Africa. We're told in Acts 10 that there was an Ethiopian eunuch that came to Philip who heard the gospel for the first time and he was converted uh, to Christianity. Uh, my argument here is the Bible is a story of colour. It's hard for you and I to find a white person in the Bible. It is so much easier to find people of colour. And that just has to really sh shake you and make you shudder when you look at stained glass windows and paintings of the early uh, stories. I, I, was in a, I was in a church just the other day. And the stained glass window was there of Jesus washing a guy's feet. I don't know which disciple he was he's supposedly washing the feet of. And both of them are white. Jesus has got blue eyes and, and brown hair. And I'm like, we have totally separated the reality of scripture uh, from the reality of history and the location and the place that it is. We should not be having discussions and debates about race in the church because Jesus was not a white man. Jesus was a man of colour, a man who had spent time in Egypt. Uh, he'd been there for a period of his early years on run from Herod. Jesus had been to Africa. Let, let's just engage with some of this for a second. We should not be debating race. We should actually be seeing in scripture that the scriptures are the story of black and brown people and how they encountered God. And that's reached us. And by reaching us, um, we've then somehow removed the culture and made it into a white story. Now, let's look at this for a second. The, the only European uh, voices that you're really going to find in scripture are those tied up with the Roman Empire. We don't know a great deal about where some of the people like Pilate actually originated from, um, but they were certainly part of the Roman Empire, Rome from Europe, Italy. Uh, there is a question that you and I could debate, are Italians white or are they of colour? And uh, I wanted to double check that before I did this podcast today. So I gave it a bit of a Google. And there's quite a bit of controversy out there, which I hadn't really contemplated. But are Italians of colour or are Italians white? And it seems to be confused by the fact that many Americans see themselves as Italians. But, I mean, that's a whole other matter. I would say that uh, Italians are olive-skinned uh, and therefore they're still of colour. Uh, but if you would say, well, no, actually, Rome, the empire was was white. 
actually, that's really interesting, isn't it? When Jesus comes to overturn the Roman Empire, if we see Rome as white empire, then Jesus comes to be the new Caesar. Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. Jesus is the son of God, not Caesar is the son of God. Jesus comes to turn that over. Uh, so that you know, is an interesting comment. Is Jesus coming to overthrow white empire? Which is a whole debate that you, you could have with some friends one evening. So... Any use of the Bible to argue for behaviour that oppresses someone else, holds somebody else down or holds somebody else back is a misuse of God's word. And we do need to confess and acknowledge that white men have used the scriptures in the past in such a way to oppress and hold other human beings down. We have to confess this. We have to acknowledge it and we need to say it is not acceptable. Done. Now, we've done that in the past. The church has confessed in the past. Does that mean it's over? No, there's still issues of racism uh, and institutional racism in the church. Wherever you find human beings, you will find uh, oppressive views. Human beings are broken. Is it okay? No. Does it need calling out? Yes, it does. But because we've confessed it before, does that mean it's done and over and we don't have to confess it again? No, not at all. Uh, as a white guy, I do not get the right to say when that debate is over. If you are white like I am, you and I have no right to say when that debate is over about race and racism. It's only those that experience it have the right to say, OK, enough's enough. It's been dealt with now. And we are not hearing that in the voices of my black and brown friends. Therefore, the debate is not over. So back to Black History Month. The scriptures, therefore, are the story of black history. The scriptures are the story of God at work in his people whom were of colour. And, and, and therefore, this is black history. We should be talking about the liberation of God's people in slavery in, in Egypt. We should be talking about the way that God uh, broke into the world through a man of colour, Jesus Christ, putting on the flesh uh, of a coloured uh, Jew uh, for the redemption of all people. This is black history. This is empowerment. Um, we have to lament of when we have made Jesus a white man, made Jesus a man with blue eyes. And let's just talk about the church fathers. Like if you were to look at the church and the way the gospel message made its way out into Europe and made it further afield, uh, that gospel message was carried first and foremost by men of colour. It was also carried by some amazing people like Augustine and Tertullian, church fathers, who wrote in those first few hundred years. Uh, Augustine, he was the Bishop of Hippo, uh, he was a black church father who wrote some of the most compelling writings on the Trinity and how the Godhead works, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And 
the other week when I was doing the sessions on the Trinity, if you've not listened to the four episodes that I did on uh, the Trinity, some of my theology there in those Trinity sessions, go, go listen, you know, go listen to it back. But some of my theology there was has been influenced by Augustine, who, as a church father, wrote about um, the, the Trinity. So people like Augustine and Tertullian and others, these were uh, black church fathers, men of colour, that carried this gospel message and shared it uh, further and further afield. So the point I'm trying to make is if we're going to talk about black history, we have to talk about how the gospel uh, was birthed in a place of colour. It was not birthed in Europe into the hands of white people. It was birthed into the hands of people of colour. Um, and I think that is just so profound and gets missed so often. So a couple of things that have been rattling around my mind recently is that we as the church have to recognise the pain and hurt caused by systemic long-term racism going all the way back since the white man carried the gospel uh, it had been used to continue to propagate racism and slavery and we have to be aware that still today there is an issue i'm a church leader in the church of england and we have to be aware and acknowledge that there is an issue that so many of our leadership are white middle class class men and women they're not people of color and you might say, yeah, 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 but wasn't the old Archbishop of York? He was, of course, John Sentamu. Yeah, I won. Like, we've not had that many black bishops. Mind you, many black church leaders. So we just have to be super aware um, that we have taken a gospel birthed in a world of colour and we've, we've kind of removed it and we've made it a white middle class community and that is not okay and it's our job to make sure we live out a church that truly looks like the people of god you know revelation 7 9 that revelation 7 9 is the picture of the heavenly realms what god is moving us towards which reminds us of it the people of god in heaven at the end of time this is what will be said there are a great multitude that nobody could number from every nation, every tribe, every people and every language standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. That is the people of God. Therefore, it is all of our jobs to make sure we live like this now and not just dream about it for some eternal reality in the future. We must not accept or entertain racism of any subtle shape or form in the church, either in the leadership, in the ordained or lay leaders. The church should be and has to be the people of God, the full breadth of the people of God, every shade and colour, nation and tribe and language. Everyone to play our part in being this diverse people of God, growing leaders of all ethnicities and all ages. We need to make a promise to call out any attitude and behaviour that does not promote the fullness of God in reality. We must uh, humbly respond and recognise that there are times when we have got it wrong, where there's been cases 
where we now need to forgive and ask for forgiveness because of how we've behaved in the past. We've had deeply institutional racism within our, our own denominations and we have to confess it. We have to acknowledge it and we need to move actively towards uh, the church genuinely looking like that Revelation 7, 9. We need to accept that Christians in the name of Jesus have enslaved people, treated other humans as second rate and this behaviour, we've treated people as if they're below animals let's just look at the Windrush generation for a moment come on the Windrush generation they moved to the uk many trained pastors lay readers preachers they came to the uk to start a new life expecting to find a place in the local church where they could continue to play their part and they were outcast and they were pushed out of the church and they were told that they were not welcome and they should go and start churches for people like them. What was that? That was the total opposite heart to Jesus Christ, who called people of colour to be his disciples. Jesus called people of colour and commissioned them to go and do the stuff. Jesus um, never said that there wasn't a position or place for any human being. So how dare we as the church have done that uh, to the Winchester generation? We have got so much to confess and apologise for. And alongside racial diversity, we also have to recognise that we have neglected diversity in many forms, in, never, in many shapes. So it's not just, I know we're talking about black history, but I just have to say this, diversity comes in many forms. It's not just skin colour. We have to be the champions uh, of diversity when it comes to age, gender, disability, as well as others, okay? So disability, uh, I think we're going to need to have an awakening uh, when we realise that there are many people who are disabled that have been stopped from uh, playing their full part in the church because of their dis disability, have been stopped walking in the fullness of what God is calling them to. Uh, young people who are stopped because of their age, people who are stopped because of their uh, gender. Um, so diversity comes in many forms and we have to make sure we are not neglecting all of those diversity issues. So the gospel was birthed through a man of colour, Jesus Christ, a Jew who was at least, if nothing else, olive-skinned, was most probably brown-skinned. Um, the disciples came from all over the region. Uh, therefore, they too were people of colour. Uh, we know that uh, as we read through scripture, we, we find woven throughout people of colour. This is the story of God's people who were a people of colour. And I really want us to reawaken to that understanding that this book that we have is not a white middle class book. It's a book about people. It's a book about races and tribes and nations encountering God. And if nothing else, you will find far more people of colour in the Bible than you will find white people. Trying to track down a white person in the Bible is the hardest piece of work. 
because the people of Scripture uh, were a people of colour. So as I talk about that, and the challenge in, in that is, is not really to be anti-racist. Uh, my challenge for us is, is not to be anti-racist, but to be pro-kingdom culture. If kingdom culture, like uh, that Revelation 7-9, every tribe, uh, every tongue, every nation, uh, every language, if that's what kingdom looks like, that the kingdom of God looks like every people from every tribe, every nation, then we need to live out a kingdom culture in our churches and in our lives. We have to live out a community of diversity, which means we need to be champions of kingdom culture. So this is not about being anti-racist. This is about being uh, pro kingdom culture a a gathering of god's people that is a mixed multitude in the book of exodus the people of god as they left egypt were described as an erarav the easiest way of translating that is mixed multitude but actually the way i love to see it translated is a motley crew when God's people left Egypt, they were a motley crew of people of different tribes and colours. They were not one tribe. The people of God were a mishmash of people from all over that were coming together to create the tribe of God. So therefore, kingdom culture is what we should be promoting, championing and moving towards. Was Jesus racist? No, because he was a person of colour. Um, was Jesus pro-race? Well, he sends his disciples off to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. God, Jesus wants the gospel to go far and wide. This was a message that was to go to all people, all tribes, all nations. Therefore, we've got to be pro-kingdom culture. So we have to ask ourselves, is our church pro-kingdom culture? Is our church actively promoting kingdom culture are we actively promoting people of color to be a part of the leadership uh, the part of the eldership uh, are they part of all layers of our church structures or are we driven as white churches now you may be listening to this thinking to yourself chris but i live in a white neighborhood and I'm I'm surrounded by white. My church is never going to be anything else but white. No, that that may be true. If you live in a region that is is uh, radically still uh, white, you can still be pro kingdom culture uh, by the way that you choose to make sure actively choosing to make sure that all people are invited to play their part. Pro kingdom culture, not just in the church but in your workplace, in your street actively drawing in people of all tribes and, and nations and languages it, it's for the whole of life not just for your sunday church uh, it's for all places that you spend your time so that's a little just a bit of a rambling whistle stop tour really on on diversity scripture um how how the scriptures are a brown and black story uh, they're not a white man's story and uh, we really have to make sure we place the story firmly in that culture uh, and not to take it out and to turn it into something it really is not. Hey, I would love, 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 love to hear your views on that. If there's something I've said that you totally disagree with, please 
talk to me. I'd love to hear your view. If you think I'm wrong on something, great. I want to learn. If there's some language that I've used that you think that's not appropriate, Chris, I think that's the wrong language, teach me. Uh, I want to be able to use the right language. And to take the posture of a, of a student right now is really important. I am learning as much as anybody else about what it means to be the people of God, how we have failed, how church history has failed, and how we need to be radically different going forwards. I want to be a part of the change, not a part of the problem. So if there's anything I've said that you think, gosh, Chris, I just think you said that wrong, or I think your language there, that was just naive and wrong, let me know. Uh, I don't mean to cause any offence if that's true. Uh, I actually really want to be able to speak um, boldly into this as somebody who recognises and, and, and recognises that he didn't always realise it, but as somebody with a voice, uh, as somebody who is white, that has power that's been given to me, uh, I want to be able to use it the right way for Jesus uh, to shape the church, uh, to be really the church um that belongs to the kingdom of God. So please do let me know if uh, anything you think I should know, any observations, anything you'd like to chuck in, any books that you read on this that you think are really good, then I would love to hear from you. Friends, until next time, grace and peace. Have a great week and I hope to spend some time with you again soon.